Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where I welcome our guests to discuss their experiences, answer your questions and teach us something new. This week we're talking about social anxiety, why so many of us feel we struggle in social situations, how our thoughts can become feelings and starting to let go of our fear of what other people think. So joining me this week is Jacqueline Hurst. Jacqueline is a leading life coach, author, speaker, and GQ Magazine's resident coach and columnist. She works one-on-one with coaching clients, as well as providing an online coaching platform called The Life Class. Her book, How to Do You, The Life-Changing Art of Mastering Your Thoughts and Taking Control of Your Life, is a practical guide to help people understand themselves, as well as a personal story about overcoming anxiety and addiction. So if you're scaring yourself with your thinking before you walk out that door, the only person's evening you're ruining is your own. I will start by saying social anxiety is probably the most requested topic for a podcast episode that I think we've ever had. And I think it also might be like the most questions that I've had sent in for an episode why Jacqueline are we all struggling so much with feeling anxious in social situations it's such a big question I could take me an hour to answer that question because there's so many different facets to the answer Mm. I think there's so many different things like first of all most of us are communicating now online and we're not communicating face to face Mm -hmm. that's like mark one um, we've had COVID, so we've had a couple of years of being in and also disconnecting from people, number two. And number three, it's a really big thing about mental health and what's actually happening in people's minds uh, before they walk out the door and interacting with people. So those are sort of my top three. I, as I said, I could give you loads more, but I think those three things are probably the most important about why people are really struggling when it comes to social anxiety. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, it's quite, it makes me quite sad, but also it's, it's quite, quite nice in a very weird kind of morbid way to know that, you know, there are a lot of people who struggle with this particular thing. So as much as it's not nice for people to go through, there's a lot of people are feeling the same way, which I kind of, yeah, in an odd way makes me feel better about it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's like most things, you know, when people realize that they are not the only ones struggling with that particular problem, it's Mm -hmm. almost like your shoulders can drop and you think, gosh, okay, it's not only me. And that's quite a comforting thing. I mean, if I had my way, nobody would be struggling with it and we would all be learning about how to use our mind correctly so that we don't have those sorts of feelings when it comes to, you know, socializing. But yeah, of course, if you are struggling with something, as with anything, you know, that's why a lot of these groups work of like AA and NA and all these sorts of things of people coming together and having support within each other, knowing that they all struggle with, you know, something similar. You know, we all think that we all, we all think, oh God, it's only me that thinks this. I must be crazy. I, maybe I'm not in quotes normal. When we understand lots of people struggle with the same problem, then 
you know, it already starts to ease that sort of anxiety itself around having anxiety, you know. So from when I've even just kind of like looked up social anxiety as a term when I've been researching for this episode, it seems like a lot of what it comes down to, if you were to really boil it down, is a fear of being judged. Uh-huh. Do you think, is that something that you would agree with from the work that you do? Again, this is such a big topic because that's one thing, right? Mm. A fear of being judged. For me, it's all about, which I'm sure I'm going to say many times during this episode, it's very much about what's going on in our minds. And until we're really clear about what we're actually thinking, it's really hard to start to change how we feel. Mm-hmm. So social anxiety, you know, and again, I want to say this, Gemma, I've got to put this out there sort of at the beginning, which is like, we've got to be really careful about labels. Mm-hmm. We've got to re- be really careful about what we say that we have, because when we do that to ourselves, we often live accordingly and we put this label on ourselves to keep ourselves small. And then we use it as a reason to stay small, right? Like I have social anxiety, so I can't go out. But when we start to change that and understand, you know, more about our mind and what we're thinking that's creating that, we can start to unravel it. And then social anxiety is not a thing or a label to live up to, I guess. Yeah, I think that's an important point as well, because it's obviously we're talking kind of quite generally, I guess I want to say today Mm -hmm. about like that feeling of being anxious, either in or coming up to a social situation. It might be that you have that experience as part of a kind of diagnosable anxiety disorder or condition or something. And it might not be. So I guess what we're kind of going to talk today about, I'm thinking, is kind of more of the practicality and some sort of thought processes there. And it might be that, yes, you have a kind of diagnosed anxiety disorder, but it might not be. So, And as you say, I think it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to label yourself as a person with XYZ sort of condition because you're experiencing this. Some people will find that helpful and that will be your experience, but it doesn't have to be, I think is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I think we must also be really careful about how we you know, get these diagnoses in quotes. I've worked with loads of people that have come to me and said, you know, I've been diagnosed with anxiety and I've been given these pills and I'm like what because I and this is a controversial view right and lots of people may not agree with that but I believe that how we think generates how we feel so our feelings come from our thinking Mm -hmm. so when we learn to change our thinking we learn to change our feelings and I say this a lot that anxiety is not something that you have it's something you create in your minds and that annoys a lot of people because they're like, no, it's not true. But actually working together means we start to find out what's happening in your minds, where we start to slow things down and really understand what's going on in your minds in order to find out what we're thinking that's generating these feelings of anxiety. Mm. If you're stepping out your front door and you've got thoughts in your brain, which are like, I don't want to go to this place. People aren't going to like me. You know, I'm not going to fit in. These things are thoughts that are happening in your head. And of course, they're going to generate really scary feelings. Feelings are in your body. They're emotions, right? They're almost physical. And that that thinking is going to push you into that negative feeling. Mm. When we learn how to use our mind, we start to learn how to think differently, which is not, you know, for me, it's never been like positive thinking. Like, let's just say this to ourselves and it will all be better because that 
to me never worked. But if I can find different ways to think that I really believe to be true, I can then start to find a much calmer feeling for myself. And then I can walk out the front door. So I think that's why I say be careful about labeling yourself with, in quotes, anxiety, because it's coming from your mind. And we just aren't taught this stuff at school, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I find that, like, I don't know exactly where I would fall there either, because I think as someone who has experienced it quite a lot, I think it's quite a difficult thing to kind of, to take on board it's a funny thing to to sort of accept and say like oh well the idea that you're kind of doing it to yourself because I think it's and this is the, the kind of work that I'd done in therapy a few years ago around anxiety as well and you do like the practice of sort of looking at your own thoughts in a kind of pattern and being able to sort of label the kind of thoughts I was having and then what feelings that was giving me physically in my body I found really useful but I think making the jump from kind of I don't know because because it makes sense what you say but at the time obviously when it's something that's so difficult to struggle with it's hard to think of it as something that you're consciously thinking of of course it is and what you did in therapy was amazing but that's only half the work Mm. right half the work is that which is a real struggle to get there in the first place right like I'm sure all the stuff you did it was like a lot And all of that is really important because step one of all of this stuff is awareness, Mm. consciousness, right? Which we are not taught, right? This isn't about like zenning out and sitting with your, you know, legs crossed and sitting in meditation for 15 hours. It's just about starting to say, like, what am I thinking here? And it's slowing down the process. So sounds to me like you got halfway there, which is amazing. And then next step is being taught how to change your thinking, right? Which is the key. That's what I call in quotes, the work of like, you know, and I get that a lot with many clients. They call me up and they're like, I know I do this thing and how do I change it? And that's where I step in, right? Of like teaching you how to do that part, which is the most beautiful work. And again, you know, we must do this work with compassion and kindness, right? Because it's really easy, you know, I, I think I was listening to an Eckhart Tolle audio book once like years ago and he was talking about how, you know, he was giving this talk and that there would be one person in the room that was mm-hmm. like, but I don't agree with what Eckhart just said. And then they sat there for like the whole talk, just being like frustrated, annoyed because this one thing he said, that was it. And they missed the rest of the show. Mm. And I just think that's really how our brains work unless we manage them, right? Like how ego steps in and it's like, no, that is not true. I have got this problem and that is the way it is. Uh, Unless we're open-minded, it's really hard to like step forward, right? But all of this work, as I say, compassion, kindness, gentleness towards ourselves and just an open-mindedness of like, oh, okay, so maybe there's, you know, more I could learn and more I could do and we're never wrong. We're never wrong. It's just a journey. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if this is going to be an easy thing to to kind of answer on a general basis, but say you had a client you were working with and they'd got to that point of realizing they were having these kind of anxious thoughts about socializing. How do you start to kind of move on from witnessing what those thoughts are to actually getting yourself kind of out of that cycle of it? So the first thing is, as I said, is to become aware of the thinking. Once you've got that, then you have tools to understand yourself. So even if we say, right, let's just start with one tool, which is my thoughts generate how I feel. 
right? It, even if that's basic and we don't do, you know, the top and the bottom to that. Um, we ask ourselves the question, which is a really important question. Like, do I want to feel anxious? And when we understand that our thoughts generate our feelings, we then realize we have a choice as to how we feel. Now, this isn't for everything, right? I don't want people to like jump on there going, yeah, but if my dog died, are you saying I have a choice? Because that would be weird, right? Of course mm-hmm. you don't. But there are things in your life that you have got choices over and anxiety can be one of them, right? So if my thoughts are generating my feelings and I don't want to feel that feeling, the only place that feeling is coming from is my thinking. Mm. And people get confused. They think that their feelings come from the situation that they're in. And it's never that. It's what we're thinking about the situation, right? And our thoughts are really powerful. I can choose to think about this problem this way, or I can choose to think about this problem that way. And either of those is my decision when I'm in control of my mind. Like I always say that our mind's very much like a puppy dog. And it's very much like, you know, I, I don't know if you've got a puppy, um, but if you've ever had Sadly one. not. <laughs> okay. But if you ever had a puppy, you realize they're like, they're crazy. I was going to swear there, but I won't. I'll keep my language um, tight <laughs> today. Um, they are. They're like, they're over here. They're over there. They're over here. They're over there. And that's like our brains. Our minds are like working a million miles to the minute. But when we say to the puppy, right, I'm going to teach this puppy one thing over the next month, which is how to sit. We're training that puppy into what to do. And that's what we've got to do with our brain. Mm. I've got to train my brain into thinking differently and to really working hard to finding different ways to think to make me feel better. So if I if I step outside, like I was saying earlier, my before I step outside the front door, if you've got social anxiety, you need to be aware of what you're thinking. Let's say you have a thought, which is like, no one's going to like me. Mm-hmm. And that makes you feel anxious. You want to ask yourself, is there a different way I can think about this before I step outside my front door? Now, you can, of course, go, no, there's no other way I can think about it. It's just this. In which case, I'm going to say, well, have fun then. Like, enjoy your party. But if you push yourself and say, right, I've got to find a different way because I don't want to walk out of my door feeling anxious. How can I think about this differently? What would I say to a friend of mine, et cetera, et cetera? You can start to unravel that. And you could say, well, I don't know if people don't like me. It's, you know, it's, it could be doubtful that people might not like me. I might meet some people there that might like me and I might like them. And then you start your process Mm -hmm. and you just go gently, very gently, very slowly. I think, I mean, that's an interesting example. And it's one that I have heard you talk about before, actually. And I think it was on Alex and M's podcast, um, who, have have then been on this podcast before we all, we all like to mix it all up. i love that um but the, kind of that idea of people not liking you i think really comes into play here because i think that probably is a lot of of what the worry is for a lot of people when you're uh-huh. you know going out and meeting people uh-huh. i feel like you have always got some quite interesting things to say about about that kind of thing which I've definitely I've listened I've listened to you talk about you know the idea of being liked before and kind of it's the fact that what's the phrase that you use oh saying you know it's not really any of my business whether somebody likes me can you talk to us a little bit about that idea because that's something that I've personally found really insightful well I think it isn't my business of whether you like me or you don't 
And I also think I can't control it. Mm. So if you do your thinking in your head from your brain, and I do my thinking in my head from my brain, the only thing I can control is my thinking. I can't control your thinking. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is to know that I can't control it, which to me makes me feel quite relieved that I don't have to go out there and try and be a person that, you know, controls your thinking because I have because that isn't possible. Mm -hmm. So that's to me like the first thing which is like, oh, okay, that's good. And second of all, which is what I teach my clients a lot and talk about a lot, you would have heard me talk about, which is like, fundamentally, what you think of me is so, how do I put it in the nicest way possible? Let me put it to you this way. What I think of me is far more important to me than what you think of me. Mm -hmm. If I can go to bed at night and put my head on the pillow and think that I've done the best I can in that day, right? And it might not be perfect, but I haven't gone out of my way to harm people, be rude to people, like actively gone out there to create disruption and pain. And then I can put my head on the pillow and say, you know what, Jacqueline, you know, good day, right? Like that's cool. Mm -hmm. That's really important. So I can sleep easy with that. I cannot sleep easy worrying about what you're thinking because I can't control it anyway. So when people struggle with, oh my God, I really care what other people think of me. I really like to deep dive with them into the why, like mm. why that's so important for you to care so much about what other people think. You know, Madonna was an interesting one recently. I'm sure you would have seen it and she was presenting the Grammys and, you know, there was, as always with our media, some rude article about her face or something. And she was like, you know, talking about, oh, you know, you guys have completely missed the fact that I've, you know, presented this award to, I think it was the first trans woman at the Grammys. This is such a massive milestone for us. Mm. And yeah, some random is just talking about my face, right? And I've always suffered, she said, you know, misogyny and ageism, blah, 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 blah. She's like a perfect role model, right? She just doesn't care. She just goes out there and she does what she does. And she knows people are going to have their, you know, opinions. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we must allow other people to have their opinions, right? You are allowed to, lo to not like me, <laughs> right? You're allowed to not like me. But mm. here's the key, Gemma, which is a lot, I've gone like a long-winded way. This, this is about self-esteem and self-worth. Mm -hmm. This problem is about self-esteem and self-worth because if you have a very high self-esteem and you have very strong self-worth, you couldn't care less what anyone else thinks of you. Mm -hmm. So that's the work we've got to look at if we're struggling with, I care too much what people think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense indeed. Um, and yeah, I did see that story um, about Madonna. And yeah, it was just, I mean, it's just the fact that she even had to, you know, come out and say, why are people talking about my face? You should be talking about it. I mean, it's all just, it is one of those examples where you're like, well, why are we doing this? Why are we like this? But also, yeah. The kind of thing of the people who are making judgments on that basis. Are they people whose opinion we should be worried about? Because that it's just not right, is it? Yeah, I mean, let people have their opinions, right? I mean, everyone is allowed their own opinion and they're allowed to have different opinions from us, right? Like, it's okay that we have different opinions. What's not okay is like literally shaking people into saying, you know, this is my opinion and you should do it this way. Because that's not fair. We wouldn't want it done back to us either. But you also remember we live in this crazy westernized society with like, 
you know, all that stuff in the Daily Mail and, you know, this one's perfect and that one's skin's amazing and this one's, you know, butt is the best butt in the world, and, you know, <laughs> and it's and it's and it's there to, to, to feed into people's insecurities. But if you think about it differently and say, well, what would happen if, you know, we, we all had a high, strong self-esteem and strong self-worth, that paper wouldn't be going. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's probably quite true. <laughs> so, I mean, how could we go about kind of, uh, let's assume from the situation that we haven't all started off in a place where we've got good self-esteem and you know self-worth is up there if you have found yourself in a place where you aren't happy with the level of self-esteem that you're living with and you want to make a change to it where is where can we start a sort of as individuals maybe without access to a life coach or a therapist like how can we actually start doing that work ourselves this generation has got so much more than I definitely had. I started my journey when I was 25 and I got clean um, from my drug addiction and all the things that I suffered with. Um, and for me, when I was going through my journey, that was literally read a book. Today, there is so much stuff out there to help people. There is YouTube, right? You've got mm. audio books. You've got things like this, podcasts, right? And anything to do with like how you just literally Google how do I get better self-esteem? How, what do I need to do to get better self-worth? And there is a myriad of information out there. But here's the kicker, right? We can read this stuff and watch this stuff all day long. But what we've got to do is actually do it. Yeah. So we've actually got to do it, right? Yeah, I guess importantly there, I suppose, is like believing that you can change that and can change those thought processes. Because I guess if you're kind of in the mindset of, well, this is just how I am and I'm not going to be able to, you know, fix this without something really radical happening, then maybe you you kind of don't go into it with the faith that you're going to be able to make any change. Yeah, but it's also a negative way to think. And mm. it's also a limiting belief of like, I can't change it. But I would say, well, then what's so special about you that you can't? when there are other people out there that have, right? Like if other people have done it, then you can too. No one's different. Mm. I'm no different from you or anybody listening, right? I used to live in a in a squat, you know, it, with nothing. I had nothing to my name. I don't know if you've read my book or anything. There's nothing, I had nothing. And, and today my life is radically, drastically different because of mm. my brain. So I know what it feels like to be on the floor and not wanting to you know, or not feeling you can ever change. Like I get it. I know, trust me, I was a pro at it. I, I I know. But what I also know is if you're the one that's generating those thoughts in your brain, which is like, I can't do it and this isn't going to work for me, then that's you creating that thinking. Mm -hmm. So if you can create that thinking, you can also create different thinking. And the power is completely in your hands. Completely. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I think I am going to 
shift the weighting slightly from a standard episode and give us a slightly longer Q&A section because I feel like that's maybe how people are going to get the most out of this I feel like I've picked some questions out from the many many that we had in I'm going to start with a question from Georgia who says I've realized that once I'm actually out and in social situations I don't really have any anxiety and sometimes even thrive in that interaction however my anxiety leading up to the interactions can leave me paralyzed and many times to influence me to just stay in even though I know I'll have a great time once I'm out What would be your advice to people like me who have the majority of their anxiety about the thought of being social much more than being in the situation? Which is a perfect question because what Georgia said there is that it's about the thought about going out, right? Mm -hmm. It's not actually about going out. That's the key of all of that. So none of this is even actually about going out. I mean, that's a great thing to talk about. This is not even about a social situation. This is about what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. So if you're scaring yourself with your thinking before you walk out that door, the only person's evening you're ruining is your own. And so a thought like, I don't want to go out, this is going to be awful, is not going to be feeling good. Mm. But a thought which she's actually given us already, which is, I actually have a really great time when I'm out, feels so much better. Yeah. And so that's what I would say to her is pick your thoughts wisely because it's your thoughts not the social situation that's generating your anxiety so choose good thoughts Mm. and I mean how is that just literally a matter of practice of kind of realizing when you're having the thought and switching it yeah totally exactly that and and, you know Rome isn't built in a day right this is not a let me get my magic wand out and it happens overnight this takes work right it's energy it's effort it's like oh I'm doing my own head in with this right but the more Mm. you do it it then becomes a second nature if you're going, oh, right, yeah, you know what? I need to think of it this way and I'm gonna I'm gonna think that and then I'm gonna feel better and off I go. And that's it. That's how we do it. But yeah, it definitely takes a little bit of time and energy and effort, but practice is key. Anything worth having is is takes practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Next question from Harriet, who says, I sometimes worry that I'm not much fun in a social setting in comparison to others. I'm quite mature in my ways and I don't drink a lot. I like to feel fresh the next morning. How can I stop worrying about what others think? So that's not even so much about what others think. It's again, back to her thinking that she's not fun enough. And that's not a very, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, Gemma, but that's not really her best thought. Like, I'm not fun enough. Like, where did she get that information? I would ask her to question that if she was sitting in front of me. I'd say, okay, prove that to me, (laughs) right? Like, give me the facts that that thought is true, that you're not fun. And I'm telling you now, she's not going to give me any facts. She's going to go, Jacqueline, I don't have any. It's all coming from my mind. Mm -hmm. And then I would ask her to find different ways to think about it. Because again, that thought, you know, um, I'm not fun enough, right? It's like, why would you choose a thought like that? And also it's not real or true. And I like facts too. I think facts and thoughts are different. We don't, you know, we aren't taught that, but... What is a fact versus what is a thought is a very different thing. Like a fact can be proven with evidence. It is true. You can say to me, yep, I can, you know, almost like a, in a court of law, here's the fact, here's the fact, here's the fact. If you don't have any facts to back up that thinking, it cannot be a fact, in which case, ideally, you should change it, right? Yeah. You know, 
if I'm holding a bottle of Avion and I'm like, this is Avion and I know it's Avion and I can prove that it's Avion and I can give you all these facts to prove it, I'm like, good thought, have it. But if you have a thought which is like, oh, people don't think I'm fun, I don't think you're going to have many facts to prove that that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's a good answer for that. And I think there was another question, which forgive me, I don't have the name in front of me, but there was another question from someone who was kind of saying that they ended up drinking more than they wanted to really when they were out because they wanted to seem like they were being fun. Wow. But then all that really did was take the anxiety from the beginning and just move it to the next day because then they'd have the kind of hangover anxiety. Uh. And yeah, all the kind of worrying about what people think about how much we're drinking. I hope that is something that's changing slightly, but I know that that's something that affects a lot of people in these kinds of situations. Yeah, and I also wonder, I mean, again, I'm just putting this out there and I, I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder if like all the people listening that are struggling with this, if they change the word anxiety to negative thinking, what would happen? Mm. So instead of saying, you know, oh my God, I have really crazy social anxiety, they say to themselves, oh my God, I have really crazy negative thoughts. That might be like a reminder to be like, okay, I need to change this. I need to mm. find different ways to think. And switching that word might be a good reminder to help people to think differently. And I just want to remind you again, this is not positive thinking. This is not, all right, well, I'm just going to think this thought, even though I don't believe it, but it sounds good. That is not what I'm saying. Mm. What I'm saying is we've got to work hard to find a thought we do believe to help us switch it. Yeah, I think the... The whole thing about kind of like finding evidence for or lack of evidence quite often for our thoughts like that was again I'm going back to my own experience of kind of thinking about these things and working on these issues but yeah realizing what kind of thoughts you're having so if it might be you know I'm worrying about this thing that's going to happen in the future oh look here I am again I'm worrying about that thing that's going to happen in the future and realizing that you're doing it over and over again even just being aware that you're doing it is helpful. But again, then when you can kind of pinpoint that same thought that you keep having and even like maybe write it down so you can see that's that's what's really niggling at my brain and then trying to look for the evidence of it or look for or a lot of the times you can't find any evidence for it and kind of logically thinking your way out of it, even though I know that sounds really simple and I'm not saying that that's the cure for anxiety and that's that's the only thing that counts because like believe me I know that it isn't but when you are in those kind of like thoughts stuck patterns it can be a really helpful sort of exercise to go through yeah and you know again I'm just gonna say again like your anxiety is not you don't own it it's not like a thing that you have that you're born with it's not something that is like I have a leg I have an arm I have an eye I have anxiety Right, you've got to differentiate. One has to differentiate between, you know, this is actually a feeling. And this feeling is coming from the thought in my brain that I'm making happen through my head. And, you know, it's like, you know, how do you want to live your life? Do you want to stay in a space of like, well, that's just how it is for me, which of course you can, but you're not going to be, you're not going to be living your best life possible. Or mm -hmm. are you going to say, you know what, I don't want to live like this. I'm going to do my work and find some ways to think about this differently so I can step out the door and feel a feeling that feels much better, i.e., you know, calm or excited or unaffected. Like those are much better feelings, in which case it's about doing your work to find the thought. And and the beauty is the more you do the work, the easier it gets and the less you have to do the work and then it turns into second nature. Mm. So there is an end game, you know. So next question from Becky. 
who says, I'd like to ask if there are any tips for handling an unbalanced relationship as far as social needs. My husband requires more social stimulation than I do. I often find myself declining to go to social events with him for fear of being stuck there longer than I would like. Any tips? Greatly appreciated. Yes, girl. Boundaries. That's my tip of like, if you want to go, but you want to leave earlier, you are able and allowed, you have permission to do that. You are allowed to say to your husband, you know, darling, I'm going to come with you, but I need to leave at, you know, 11 because I want to be up early and fresh for the for the next day. So I'll get, you know, the train back earlier or whatever and I'll see you back at home. Like, you're allowed to do that. And that's also a healthy relationship, you know, where you've both got your boundaries in place and you both come into something as two of... I did that last night. I went out for dinner with someone and... It was much later than I like to eat, but that was, you know, how it was going to be. And I agreed to go. That was my choice. And when I got there, I said, listen, I, you know, I know we're all eating later and I will need to leave by 1130 because I'm up um, at 7am tomorrow. Now, what someone does with that is not, I can't control that, but I must also, you know, have a boundary. Otherwise, what happens if we don't have boundaries is we have this thing called resentment. Mm. and right resentment is simply I'm just not saying no where I should be saying no yeah yeah I think that's it can be a tough one as well because I guess you know in some situations it might it might be harder to leave earlier but you know for what for whatever reason but then I guess like what I would tend to do is like some sometimes I just don't go if I don't want to go yeah. I, I don't go if I know that that's going to be a situation I don't want to be in and that's not to say that I never you know go out and do anything but it's equally I think depending on what the situation is I think there's a lot of it where where we talked about you know being worried about people not liking you or you know sometimes you think you you have to put yourself in situations because people expect it of you and I think that actually is one thing that since uh, the pandemic we've like maybe readjusted our thoughts of ever so slightly is because you know not necessarily prioritizing the expectations of other people for what you're going to do but prioritizing actually how you how you are going to feel in or after those situations yeah I mean again this comes back it's like it's cyclical this conversation because it comes back to self-esteem and self-worth right none of us are going out of our way to upset people right which of course we can't do anyway because remember feelings come from thoughts so you know if someone is upset that's the way that they're thinking about it right but fundamentally, at the end of the day, you know, and and of course, as you just said before, every situation is different. But in the situation that you just brought in with that question, she was like, I want to go, but I want to leave early. And that's about saying, yes, you know, yes, I'll come and I will have a boundary and go home, um, you know, early. You can also have a boundary, as you say, in a different situation to say thank you, but no, I'm not going to attend and let go of that as well. So this is why I urge people to do their work because it's not a fun way to live life when we're really worried about what other people think of us all the time. It's like really debilitating. And I don't think we're born on this earth to be living that way. I think mm. we're born on this earth to live big and to enjoy and to, you know, I'm very much like peace and love, but I don't think I'm here to be living my life to make other people happy. I'm here to be living my life, doing the best I can to make sure that I'm being true to myself and my soul first and foremost and then I can live a much peaceful life with a lot more love yeah 
Oh, this is good. Okay. <laughs> I'm enjoying all these. Okay. Slightly more practical, I think, question from Mackenzie, who says, I've always had a really hard time making friends due to social anxiety. I'll have one or two conversations with them and it won't go anywhere. So I'm not sure if you guys could touch on ways to continue forming that bond with someone or even how to find those people who you have the bond with to begin with. I think bonds with people takes time. Like it takes time to build a bond. But I think what would be really great in a situation like that is, first of all, it's like really cool that she's going out and she's trying. And I hope that she gives herself credit for that because that's amazing. And second Mm. of all, it's about asking questions. People really like to talk about themselves. And I think asking questions to people about themselves is a really great way to start to build, you know, a form of relationship and rapport um, to build up. That's what I would suggest. Yeah, so kind of going into maybe going into conversations with that in mind might just be a helpful sort of yeah just something to like fall back on when you feel like you're not sure where to go next definitely I mean it's always good to to talk to people about them you know and that's a really good way for people people want to talk about themselves it's a you know it's a thing yeah I guess also if you're kind of trying to like move it into more of a friendship rather than a kind of acquaintance thing is I think it's which again could be quite sort of nerve-wracking but like putting yourself out there and like asking them to do something with you like if you have if you've had a conversation with someone and you think oh I I like this person I feel like I've connected with them like what is it that you've connected with like is that something that you've got in common that you could maybe then suggest that you do something related to that interest together or yeah kind of try and see it use the conversation to see whether you should be friends if you know what I mean rather than just thinking okay this is a person I'm talking to I have to just make them my friend how am I going to do that like make it about the person rather than thinking you know I just have to make it happen whatever whatever the situation is yeah exactly and be gentle with yourself always always <laughs> a reminder <laughs> be gentle be kind go slowly and also, you know, it's okay if that person says no, that's okay as well. It might not be personal, might not be about you. It might be like, I, they just can't make it that day. <laughs> you know, like, it's okay. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's one of those things as well, that I guess is we're going back into the kind of like thought patterns. But how do you kind of interrogate those thoughts? If you're, say you were in that situation, you've like asked someone to hang out or do something or whatever. If they've said no, for example, and you're thinking, oh, they don't like me this has happened I must have said this wrong this must have gone wrong how do you kind of work through those kind of thoughts and kind of talk back against them like I say depersonalize it like we always make it about us right when we learn how to not make anything personal it's really powerful Mm. right so it's never it's never personal it's never personal yeah it's always about what they are thinking or feeling or whatever or whatever right so learning that if someone says no to you about that that might not be about you is quite a powerful place to be living right and that's what you should say to yourself like this might not be about me and you can do it in a humorous way to yourself and it just sort of turns down the pressure Mm. it actually really makes me think of um a conversation I've had before which I think was more about dating actually but you know the kind of like that sort of social fear like before you go on a date and I think that's kind of getting stuck in what if they don't like me what if they don't like me 
what if they don't like me that kind of loop and even like trying to reframe that and being like well what if you don't like them right that's it not as in not as in you're going to try and go on a date and think you know and with the aim to not like them or to judge them or anything else but kind of yeah trying to just flip things a little bit that's it that's exactly I mean what you've just said there is exactly how it works right what if I don't like them what if they don't make me laugh right (laughs) what if (laughs) I don't find them attractive right like that's much more powerful than doing it the other way oh my god if they don't think I'm this and that it's just, it's just that is going to lead you down the wrong path to take you into the wrong feeling space. So as you just did that, which was brilliant, you flip it over and you're like, yeah, right, I can go out the door and I could be looking forward to this day. It's totally different. And the beauty is you can do that yourself, right? You either make yourself go that way or you make yourself go this way. And that's your decision. Okay, next question from Emma, who says... So she's kind of talking again about the the pre-social situation, but says, I often find myself planning out what to say in social situations and thinking about every possible situation that could happen before I meet someone new or I'm in a new environment. And then, I'm ne- and then I'm never present in that situation. And then I feel guilty and regretful about it afterwards. Do you have any tips to try and be more in the moment and present even when you feel anxious? Yeah, to remind yourself to be present and in the moment and you know that is the key of like walking into a party and saying to yourself in your mind I'm going to be present and in the moment you can't foresee what someone's going to say like that to me sounds like a control issue and it sounds to me like this person struggles with uncertainty Mm. and the thing is life is uncertain (laughs) right so we have to find ways to like be at peace in that space of like I can't I don't know what's coming next I've got no idea what the person might want to talk about or not want to talk about whatever Mm. but but of course at that point she's missing the moment she's probably also missing really great conversation with people so I think it's about literally in that space like a constant reminder throughout the day not just when she's at a party but like I need to be present today and maybe that is about connecting back with herself you know and being like okay I'm you know I'm making I'm brushing my teeth you know I'm eating a sandwich right like constantly going back into the present moment and into the present moment and that will help her sort of define doing that when she's in a social situation that'd be very helpful yeah I can I can relate to that question quite a lot I think I probably do it more afterwards but yeah there is that kind of like fear element of you know what if somebody says something and I I don't immediately know what to say I would just say so just say to that person do you know what I don't know what to say and like what's the worst that can happen no one in their in quotes right mind is going to be like what do you mean you don't know what to say Gemma <laughs> like, no one's gonna do that they're gonna go oh and they're gonna explain something to you or you're gonna learn something or you're gonna giggle about it it's like why should we be nervous of not knowing you know, again, this is about kindness and gentleness. Like, it's okay that I don't know things. I'm dyslexic. I can't do math. My handwriting's really bad, right? But I'm not, but I'm human and I'm not perfect at that. And I don't know lots of things. And I would say, you know what? I'm really sorry. I don't know. Maybe you could explain it or maybe you could da 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 da. And you can build really good relationships when you're really authentic like that. Mm. You know, Gemma, if someone said that to you, if you were talking to someone, and they were like, do you know what, Gemma, I don't know. Would you be like, would you go mad at them or like tell them off or think, you know, you wouldn't, right? I mean, no, absolutely not. And I think, yeah, those, I mean, I love, I don't know, as a 
as a statement. It's one of my favorite, favorite things to use as a tool. Um, and yeah, I think that also then just comes back around to, you know, we, when, even when we're kind of like panicking in advance about these kinds of things, we hold ourselves possibly even to much higher standards than other people will hold us you know and we expect that we have to have like the perfect witty remark to every situation and we're never allowed to just say oh I don't know I haven't thought about that or like actually can you give me a minute or any of these you know normal human things and I think when you hear those things or little you know stumbles in words or anything from other people you probably don't really give them a second thought and you can look at them and appreciate that they're human and they're having a real-time human conversation with you and yeah. they might trip over their words or, you know, say something weird and say, oh, actually, I didn't mean that kind of thing. And like, I wouldn't judge someone for doing that. So I have to just think, you know, they shouldn't judge me for doing that either. And if they do, that's more about them than it is about me. That's what I try and tell myself. <laughs> I think that's so true. And I also think we give like so much space for that, like as if people care that much about us, right? And they just don't. They just don't. They just don't. They're like, you know, we worry so much too. We're like, they're going to think that da 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 da. And it's like, they hadn't even noticed because they're so busy in their own heads about what's going on for them. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember when I was in recovery and I had the sponsor back in the day and he was really tough with me. I love him even now. You know, and it's like 25 years later. He's probably like, he's probably about 90 years old now. And when he, when I met him and I had this, you know, I had really low self esteem, really zero, zero zero self-worth and I always thought it was always about me and I remember saying something to him and he said he looked at me and he was like am I allowed to swear on this podcast I don't know if yeah, I am but go for it. he was like it's not like it, this isn't fucking about you no one cares about you when you walk into that room stop it and I looked at him and I was like what what do you mean nobody cares about me like what <laughs> yeah, that you instantly what? sounds really mean <laughs> right I was like what but it was one of the most amazing things he could have said because it's just suddenly like everything shattered for me. I was like, oh yeah, no one cares about like the color jeans I'm wearing or whether my hair's a bit dirty or like nobody cares because they're all focused on themselves. And mm. it took a lot of pressure off, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Okay, I'm going to do one last question because um, I think this is like a deep dive because this is advice that we've just given and this question's from Baylor, who's kind of anticipated that we're going to say, just don't think about it. Oh. She's not having any of it. She's got a, she's got a follow-up question. Okay. So Baylor's question, how do I stop assuming everyone dislikes me, even people in my inner circle? I don't think I want to disregard whether I'm liked or not because these people truly matter to me. The first thing I would say is that, and I say the word respect in, the, in a really nice way, but like have some respect of the people that you're hanging out with. What I mean by that is... I'm pretty sure the people she's hanging out with are probably really nice people and that they're not going to hang out with people that they don't want to hang out with, right? So Mm. if they're hanging out with her, it's probably because they really want to hang out with her. Unless they're people that are completely, you know, doing things that they never really want to do in their lives, which I I, I think that's doubtful. Um, So I think I would say that. I would also say that, you know, this thought process about nobody really likes me is something that really to do for her to do a deep dive on herself because... Where did she get that from? And why is she Mm. choosing to think that over and over again? And again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but like what evidence has she got of that? Because if she keeps going out with the same group of friends, she hasn't really got any evidence to prove that thought that no one likes her because they just wouldn't invite her. 
So, you know, that thought is something to really, you know, dive into and look at and um, and sort of, you know, pick apart and show that it's not a real thought. It's a limited, it's a limited belief and it isn't, it isn't real. If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs and you can email the podcast at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things I ask every guest. And so could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to and something to watch? Okay, so I know people, well, I don't know. Let me rephrase that. People might be raising their eyebrows at this. But when you say, what should I listen to? I'm going to say your gut. Okay, like that. Yeah, I think it's a really important thing to listen to. Can't really go wrong if you're listening to your gut. Um, when you say something to watch, this was one of the movies that I watched um, years ago and it was really mind opening and it might be interesting for people that are interested in the game of mindset. And this movie was called What the Bleep Do We Know? And it was, um, I think it was about 2004, 2003, 2004. And it's basically about quantum physics and consciousness. And it's a really interesting sort of movie to expand your mind about you as a person and the energy and all of that and how you live your life so I would say that's a real you know open your mind get your popcorn sit down and and watch that, that. sounds fascinating love that yeah it was really fascinating it was a huge part of of you know the work I did as I started to start this journey and I know this is really naughty when it comes to reading, but I would have to say this, which is I'm going to say is my book. Oh, not naughty at all. <laughs> I'm going to say it's my book. Thank you, Gemma. <laughs> and uh, it's called How to Do You, and you can get it on Amazon. And it's um, a book where it's basically separated up into chapters of like all different things and anxiety is in there. Um, and it comes with like worksheets in the book for you to learn about how to think properly, how to think correctly. Um, and yeah. You can do that um, on Amazon or you can also get it on an audiobook as well. Thank you for listening and thank you, Jacqueline, for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can leave a rating and a review as well. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.